Hello and welcome to the Zero to Finals podcast. My name is Tom and in this episode I'm going to be talking to you about septic arthritis. And if you want to follow along with written notes on this topic, you can follow along at zerodefinals.com in the infectious diseases section or in the infectious diseases section of the Zero to Finals medicine book. So let's get straight into it. Septic arthritis is essentially where an infection occurs in a joint. And this could be a native joint, meaning it's the person's original joint, or it could be in a joint replacement. For example, if they've had a hip replacement and that replacement becomes infected. Infection in a joint is an emergency as the infection can quickly spread to destroy the joint or it can cause very severe systemic illness and sepsis and potentially lead to death quite quickly. Septic arthritis has a mortality of around 10%, so it needs to be recognised early and treated properly. It's also a very common and important complication of joint replacement and is something that orthopaedic surgeons spend a lot of time worrying about when they replace joints. It occurs in around 1% of straightforward hip or knee replacements, and this percentage is higher when it's a revision surgery to correct a previous replacement that's gone wrong. So what's the presentation? Well, usually septic arthritis only affects a single joint, and often this is a knee, and it presents with a rapid onset of a red, hot, swollen and painful joint. There will be stiffness in the joint and reduced range of motion, and there can be systemic symptoms such as fever, lethargy and signs of sepsis. The most common causative organism is Staphylococcus aureus, which remember is a common organism that we find on the skin and also causes cellulitis. Other bacteria can be Neisseria gonorrhea or gonococcus, which is in sexually active individuals, where it spreads from being a sexually transmitted infection into the joint and causes a septic arthritis. It can also be caused by group A streptococcus, which is most commonly streptococcus pyogenes. It can also be caused by Haemophilus influenza and E. coli. So a quick Tom tip for you. In a young patient presenting with a single acutely swollen joint, always consider gonococcus septic arthritis until it's proven otherwise. Gonorrhea infection is really common and delaying treatment puts the joint in danger and actually increases their risk of developing severe infection and potentially death. In your exams, it might say that the gram stain reveals a gram-negative diplococcus. The patient might also have urinary or genital symptoms and this might trick you into thinking that this is a reactive arthritis but remember that it's important to exclude gonococcal septic arthritis first as this is a more serious condition than reactive arthritis. So talking about reactive arthritis, what are the differential diagnoses of an acutely hot, swollen, painful joint? The main differential you'll probably think about is gout and this is where urate crystals settle in the joint. When you aspirate the fluid from this red-hot swollen joint, the fluid will show urate crystals that are negatively birefringent of polarised light, and that's typical of gout. Another differential is pseudogout, and when you aspirate the fluid in pseudogout, it'll show calcium pyrophosphate crystals that are rod-shaped intracellular crystals that are positively birefringent of polarised light. Reactive arthritis is a differential we've already mentioned and this is typically triggered by urethritis or gastroenteritis and it's also associated with conjunctivitis 
So remember the medical school saying is that they can't pee, they can't see, and they can't climb a tree because of the painful joint. And finally, hemarthrosis or bleeding into a joint is another differential diagnosis. And if you see somebody with this, think about whether they're on anticoagulants or whether they have a bleeding disorder such as haemophilia. So how do we manage septic arthritis? We well, have to have a low threshold for treating a patient for septic arthritis until the diagnosis has been excluded with examination of the joint fluid. And you need to be particularly cautious with immunosuppressed patients. In your hospital, there'll be a local hot joint policy which will guide which team will be responsible for admitting and taking care of the patient. And this might be orthopedics, rheumatology or infectious diseases. The policy will also dictate which antibiotics are supposed to be used and for how long. It's important to aspirate the joint prior to giving antibiotics and send a sample for gram staining, crystal microscopy to look for gout or pseudogout, culture and antibiotic sensitivities. And this will help you make a definitive diagnosis and see which treatment is going to be effective. When you aspirate the joint, if there's septic arthritis, it might be prurulent which means it's full of pus, so you get a bubbly, cloudy appearance to the fluid. And when you do a gram stain on that fluid, it'll come back quite quickly. And this might give you a clue about which organism is responsible. The full culture and sensitivities will take longer, typically 48 hours or even longer. You need to start empirical IV antibiotics until you know the sensitivities of the bug that's causing the infection. Antibiotics are usually continued for three to six weeks in total once you establish a diagnosis of septic arthritis and the choice of antibiotic depends on the local guidelines. So some example possible regimes are flucloxacillin plus rifampicin, which is often first line. Vancomycin plus rifampicin can be used in penicillin allergy, MRSA or prosthetic joints. And clindamycin is also an alternative with penicillin allergy. So thanks for listening to this podcast episode on septic arthritis. If you found it helpful and you want written notes on this topic and all the other podcast episode topics, head over to Amazon and pick up a copy of the Zero to Finals Medicine book. This book has detailed and concise notes on 10 specialties in medicine and over 160 different topics and it was designed specifically from scratch to contain the key facts and the guidelines you need to know for your medical exams. Of course, if you don't want to pick up a copy of the book, you can find all the notes plus videos, illustrations, questions and a blog completely free on the Zero to Finals website at zerodefinals.com. And I hope you tune in for the next episode, which will be on influenza.